0: Hey, Road to Life, we love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. This week, we're hearing from Pastor Micah Shepline. We love when he comes and visits. So make sure you give this podcast a listen. For more information, visit roadtolifechurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Amen. What I want to talk about today is graduated exceptions. Now, some of you guys are like, well, that makes zero sense. Don't worry, it will by the end. Uh, graduated exceptions. And really, this has been something I've been thinking on for a while, um, mainly because what what I think in the, in, in the spiritual kind of formation of the American and Western view of the churches, what happens is, is I, I feel like we're kind of up against a uh, little bit, not a, problem, but maybe a little bit of a problem where essentially we read God's word or we know what God says to do, but we have a graduated mindset or an exception-based mindset. Meaning, okay, I have followed the Lord for this long, so then it disqualifies me from doing these things because, oh, that's just for when you first follow God. Or the exception-based mindset of, okay, well, I know the Bible says this, but I don't necessarily see it the same way. So because we don't really see it the same way and I'm indifferent to that, I'll just kind of pick the things that I really want to follow and maybe not do the things that I don't really want to follow. And and actually kind of taking it a step further is even within... Uh, Recently, uh, my journey and my wife's journey, many of you guys maybe who weren't here next week, our Road to Life Church will be expanding into uh, another part of America. <laughs> um, we're going to be planning a church in Phoenix. And even a lot of that journey uh, kind of walks along the side of I'm not graduated from faith. I'm not, ex- I'm not an exception to listening to God's voice. And I'm not going to be somebody who necessarily just, ever I know what I'm doing. I know it's rather than just asking God every day, God, is there something you want to say? Is there something I need to do? Is there something I have to respond to? Is there something you're speaking to me in your words? See, a lot of the times I think it's just so easy. We've maybe walked with God over the course of our lives for so long that we walk away from the practices of stillness, Obedience, following God's word, being committed, giving, volunteering, serving, loving, giving grace. I mean, there are layers and layers and layers of which I think in the church today, there is a level of, it. well, that's an exception, right? I'm an exception to that. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of the times when we read the Bible, there is no graduation. There is no like, oh, I'm an exception to this rule. There's no like new revelation that in turn kind of wipes out everything that we know we should be doing because guess what? We've been doing that for long enough now because that's how our world is, if believe it or not. Is we have kind of that bell curve of like careerism, where it's like you kind of start out at that lower level, and really, if you want to get to that mid level, you have to develop characteristics and um, a a work a, a workmanship, I would say, to really kind of go up the ladder. And then, but in the Bible, it's it's just kind of like we're all here, yeah. <laughs> and we're all listening, we're all serving, we're all loving, we're all running, the, we're all just. I mean, there's no like lesser greater. It's not like this like you know, uh, hourly worker to CEO rate. Whereas I think a lot of the times what we do is we view our spirituality sometimes as this like curve of, okay, as I go up in the Lord, then guess what? I'm disqualified from having to do, you know, these mundane things or these things that maybe, and that's the whole point I think of following God is those mundane things are mainly mundane to our flesh and life to our spirit. And so what God's wanting to do is weed that flesh down to a level where the mundane things are so consistent in our life that our spirit is energized through the consistency of doing what his word says. Now, once again, you know what's funny? My dad maybe doesn't remember this story, but I think he will as I tell it. When I was a senior in high school, we were having a discussion in class one day. And uh, naturally, uh, high school seniors, we, we know everything you know and not only that but if you if you were in high school all of us have felt that okay it's january or february i'm graduating in 4 months i never want to go to school again right now and some of us right it is it is a prevalent disease it is something that zaps every form of of being a good student away it's senioritis right and i remember i was in i was a uh you know, they say this, I don't know if it's true, but I'm just going to say it right, that you're either kind of a, a, a science and math person or a history and English person or a gym class person. I added the gym class part. I liked gym, took it way too serious. Um, but, but anyway, I, I remember uh, my senior year, I'm in my science class and uh, naturally one of the smartest kids in the room, which I readily associated with, probably one of the smartest people in the world at that point. Um, told me that on, your, on the la- your last semester, colleges don't look at because most students are already accepted up to that point. And so they're not going to look at your last semester transcripts, which to me is incredible news. <laughs> it's incredible news. You're, you're telling me that I'm going to school right now for no reason, for six months. And, and ultimately, this person looks at me and says, yeah, they're not going to look at your transcripts. At that point, the only option I really had was to play for the Green Bay Packers. That's as far ahead as vibrating God. How can I get to the next level in my 145-pound body <laughs> to, to playing in the NFL? And so what's funny is I remember, dead serious, my dad, I think he's remembering this probably, I come home. And I, I tell my mom and I don't think she thinks I'm serious. I said, mom, you know that colleges don't look at your last semester of transcripts. So really, um, my mom was one of those apparent internet viewers at the turn of the century where you had a login and could check your kid's grades. My mom did that like it was social media today. I like come home, I didn't even know what I got on it. She's like, you got a C minus. I'm like, dude, I just took that 13 minutes ago. She's like, I already called your teacher. You're going to be retaking that. No, it's like, it's like one of those things where it's so funny too because I like reset the password and she just, no, did you reset the password on PIV? I'm like, just trying to have a life this weekend. <laughs> just just trying to be able to get out and hang out with my friends. My mom's like, well, what'd you get on that quiz? I'm like, you have four kids. Why am I the one? <laughs> It's so, it is so funny. PIV, I could go on and on. Whoever invented that is from the devil. (laughs) It's like, thank you, mom. Accountability. Yeah, amen. (laughs) So anyway, I remember going to my mom. I had failed the test. I said, essentially, mom, I'm going to turn in my homework, but I will not be studying. And I shouldn't say this, but I could turn in my homework because I had friends Connect the dots. Uh, But uh, I was like, I'm going to turn in my homework. I am not going to do tests or quizzes. And I'm going to just finish. (laughs) And I remember my mom is like, oh, no, you're not. And I'm like, mom, it doesn't matter to the transcripts. And you know me. I'm going to the NFL. Um, And she was like, she's like, no. And I remember my dad comes home. And my mom tells him because my mom tells on me. And I remember my dad, I'll never forget this. He, he, we're, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really done. And he stands up, he gets about this far from my face. For one, I was like, okay. He's like, let me have your car keys. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, in four months, I can just get them back because I'll be graduated. I'm He's like, all right, give me your cell phone. I'm like, ooh, that one hurts a little more. He's like, go ahead and pull your bed out here too. I paid for that. I was like, it's like a bed, really? He's like, oh. Any clothes that I purchased, you can bring those out here, too. And I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll start taking tests and quizzes now. <laughs> like, I was like, I guess this is a bigger deal than I thought. <laughs> but what it was was I thought I had graduated from what, what finishing strong was or even attempting to do anything was. I thought in my mind, right, that I had done enough to not need to do anymore and i'll be honest this is where i feel like people land is we've done enough to not need to do anymore And it's sad because what happens is is you see people who maybe, I'll be honest, had incredible callings, even some of my friends growing up who have incredible callings, incredible potential, who don't really make it, not just following God, but even in life as it pertains to making dumb decisions or, or doing bad things, mainly because we just get to a point where we thought we did enough, and then because we thought we did enough, we maybe start doing the things we shouldn't be doing. But ultimately, well, we've done so much of this stuff, so this isn't that big of a deal because God knows my heart and God knows, and all of a sudden guess what we're back into this place of maybe backsliding and falling back and God's saying hey you you never graduate you're not an exception you're not above you're not uh, far away you you still have to do these things and then once again this is what we see in the church we've got 10 years of following God but 10 minutes of growth where we've, we've been following God and we've been following God, but if we actually assessed the growth of our lives, not the growth of our outward lives, but the growth of our inward lives, we would look and maybe say, man, maybe I haven't grown that much. And what I mean by that is, have we overcome the weaknesses that we've had with God as when we came to Him? Have we strengthened our character? Have we developed our personhood in a way that emulates Christ-likeness, or for lack of a better term, how sanctified have we become? And what I'm saying today is this, is this is not actually something that is synonymous with America or us currently, but it's rather something that we see common in the old testament or not the old testament in with jesus's disciples well actually in the old testament too uh, but we're going to look at a specific example but i just once again wanted to shout out things that we're not graduating from and we don't have an exception to loving our neighbors forgiving grace serving having good attitudes my mom says amen being a witness having empathy The whole fruit of the spirit thing, not like uh, two fruits off that thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Community and your need for it. Being a part of the work of the kingdom. Growing our weaknesses. Being discipled. Reading our Bible. Having a constant prayer life. These are not things that in the Bible were talked about once and we're like placing huge importance on. They're actually things that like kind of occur a lot of times. And really what I'm saying is, is I think a lot of the times as Christians today, we are taking exception to things. You know what's funny is it's like God talks about love and we we in our society, it feels like we're the most unforgiving and bitter people we've ever been. Our number one commandment is to love and forgive. Yet here we sit where we can make every exception in the book to not love, to not forgive, and to be bitter. And it's funny because what happens is is we maybe don't see it now, but the growth of our personal lives will be stunted. And the frustration will set in and all the frustration could be solved by us sitting before God and saying, God, why is it that I'm not growing in him saying you're not forgiving, you're not loving, you're not in tune with me. And I'm not just trying to focus on those things, but I'm trying to set the table once again for us understanding that we, we're not graduated from the elementary principles of the Bible. We're not, we're not exceptions to the elementary principles of following God. And so what I want to do is I want to read Peter and John's really story. And if you know this passage of scripture, it's in John 21, but I find it interesting because there's maybe some levels that you haven't necessarily understood in the context that I hope to kind of bring about today. But really what I'm I'm kind of targeting is Jesus has gone up to heaven, right? Or not gone up to heaven at this point. I'm getting a little confused. Don't worry. Stick with me. He's been raised from the dead, and it actually says that he's appeared to to his disciples two other times before this time. And what's happening, though, is the disciples have followed Jesus for three years, and now he's dead, and they are having an identity crisis. What are we going to do? All we've ever done is every day wake up and go, Jesus, what are we doing today? Now Jesus is not here. What are we doing today? (laughs) And so what happens is is Peter talks a few of the guys into just going fishing. Now, for some of us, we're like, oh, that sounds like a good way to calm your mind. But for them, it was actually their previous career. So Peter wakes up one day. Jesus is not there to tell him what to do. Peter looks at the fellows and goes, let's just go do what we did before Jesus. Now, there's so much imagery within this. Let's just go do what we were doing before we had God. I mean that statement alone is loaded within a thousand different sermons but how many of us right we wake up knowing what we should do with God but it is just so easy to go back to what we've always been doing to what's always kind of worked to what's gotten us by just enough and so what happens is as Peter gets the guys and I guarantee, it's probably Peter, he's like, we'll catch a billion fish and have a good time. Then what happens, we're going to see in John 21, they don't catch anything, and Jesus interrupts the narrative. Let's read John 21, 4 to 14. It says, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I love this because it actually gives a distance. It says he's 100 yards away. Now what's funny is, is if I spent every day with somebody, Every single day for three years, and I couldn't recognize him from 100 yards away, I would venture to say that you would probably need some glasses. But there was like six other dudes here, so it's one of those things where I guarantee like Jesus is like, hey, John, make sure you include that they didn't even recognize me. Let's keep going. It says this. Jesus said to them, children. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I don't recognize somebody, I'm doing my thing. And he goes, hey, Child. I'd, I'd be looking around like, is he talking, they're talking, what'd you just say? <laughs> like He's like, children, right? That's like something you genuinely say only to a child unless you really want to make an adult mad, right? So Jesus is like, hey, hey, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no, it's like salt in the wound. He's like, you call me a child, you ask if we have fish, we ha- we're, We don't have fish and we're not children. Okay, let's keep going well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, that's John's reference to himself. I love that, (laughs) love that, that disciple whom Jesus loved. He's like, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on, on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net for the fish, for they were not far from the land, but a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it in bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to him, and so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now what happens now is Jesus is about to go into a little bit of a dialogue with Peter. Now if you remember, I love kind of some of the hidden uh, subtle things that are going on behind the scenes here. If you know anything about the Bibles, it says Jesus has now showed up three times uh, to to Peter and, and to the disciples Peter had denied Jesus three times, right? Now now what's going to happen is, is there's going to be some things, and this is really the passage of text that we're going to dissect today, is there's going to be a series of things that Jesus is saying that are mildly confusing to his guys and a little bit frustrating to Peter. And really today that's the basis of what Jesus is attacking is this graduated and exception-based mindset. Because if you remember, right, Jesus had called these men to be his disciples, Now, if you know anything about the kind of the Jewish um, way of of thinking and functioning is is the goal was to be discipled unto becoming your own um, rabbi, unto becoming your own level of of religious uh, seniority or superiority, and then taking on your own disciples, not returning to your previous life. Now, what's going to happen is is Jesus is kind of going to probe a little bit here. It says this, 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after this, he said to him, now follow me. Now we're not gonna talk necessarily about that last part because there's some things about Peter's end that that's foretelling. But essentially what we're focused on now is the very end, right? Follow me, follow me. Now, for some of us, right? It's like, okay, well, Peter has been following. Peter's followed for three years, right? And this is, once again, this passage of scripture is like the reenlisting right before Acts of what's about to happen. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, what happens is is Jesus goes up into heaven and in going up into heaven, he says, hey, wait, because I'm gonna give you something even greater than who I am, which ultimately became the Holy Spirit. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stands up, gives the very first sermon, altar call, salvation kind of conglomerate ever and starts the birth of the church that has been expanding growing and influencing the world to this day starts with Peter what does it start with though with Jesus in Peter's final moments is follow me Peter had been following no it's follow me and if you remember once again is that last part where you're going to open up your hands and be dressed and clothed and stretched out it's because how he was going to die and what he was going to have to go through was going to be not what he expected, not under his free will. So what I want to do is I want to talk about how to stay healthy and whole today. Not graduated, not somebody who's, who's oh, I'm an exception to the rule, or oh but really what I'm coming against today is if you have a graduated mindset or a, I don't really need to do this mindset or I don't really need to follow the biblical principle mindset, you won't be healthy and you will not be whole as it pertains to following God. And I'll be honest, you're probably going to live frustrated, and then it'll just turn to bitterness. Because what happens is, is when we don't do what God says, but then say we are doing what God says, is it's actually called, in in Revelation, it talks about this, being lukewarm. And I'd rather you be hot or cold, or I'm going to spit you out. And I know that is, like, kind of gross to think about, but if we, really, Jesus writes that to a church who essentially, he's like, listen, you're... You're in between, you're picking and choosing, you're doing what you feel like, you're doing however you wanted to do and you're not actually doing the things that I've told you to do consistently, wholeheartedly and committedly. So what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about how to stay healthy and whole and this one is the first one. You do not graduate from the lifestyle of godliness The enemy just tries to get you to adopt attributes of your past life with just a twist of spirituality. This is the number one thing I've never heard anybody talk about in this story. And it's interesting because you guys will catch it once I talk about it. But if you know anything, in actually John 21, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he's calling him Simon. Now, once again, this is something that has not been talked about in terms of uh, sermons I've heard specifically on this, and I've kind of researched and kind of looked around as it pertains to this, but it actually says that Jesus is calling him Simon, but then when John is writing his response, he's calling him Peter. So Jesus is calling him Simon, John's calling him Peter, and many of us are like, well, what's the difference? Oh, it's, it's actually quite a big difference, because if you remember, right, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter and not only did he change his name he essentially changed the imagery of his name because Simon meant a reed and a reed something that blows in the wind something that's a weed something that's not and he changed his name to Peter which was the rock now what's interesting is is I think it's funny because what Jesus in my opinion is doing is he's saying hey tend my sheep don't be a reed be strong feed my lambs don't be blown and tossed about. Be strong, be certain. Be in step. Be in lock with me. Be the rock, right? And, and there's imagery within this because I think a lot of the times what happens is, is we want to be a rock for God, but we have reed tendencies. Where when life starts blowing, we start blowing. When things are uncertain, instead of us building on the rock, just the sand sounds like a beach, and you know what? if there's waves, that sounds fun, too. And what I'm trying to say today is this, is that Peter was essentially saying, I can follow God but still be a fisher, and God was saying, no, you actually, I'm changing, you're not going to be a, remember, I love this point, right, is Jesus recruited him to be a fisher of men, but now he's telling him to be a shepherd. I just, I find so many elements of this story fascinating because even as Jesus is explaining, he's changing the narrative because I guarantee in his mind, Peter said, you know what? I was a fisherman before and he said I could just be a fisher of men and, you know, a fisherman and a fisher of men, that same thing. All right, let's go in the boat. God's like, no, no longer fishermen, tend the lambs. Feed the sheep. And what's funny is is that Peter only knows a lot of this rhetoric by Jesus describing himself as the shepherd. But Jesus is now shifting the focus from I'm the shepherd to you're the shepherd. You're not the fisher of men like I called you to be in the beginning. Now we've actually graduated from that into shepherding, tending the sheep. And what I mean is I think a lot of the times what happens is is we come into the kingdom following God and so excited and ecstatic for what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be and all that he wants to do with our lives. And essentially what happens is, is we think we can, all right, twist a little bit of that and maybe keep a little bit of the old life. Keep a little bit of the old way of thinking. Keep a little bit of the old way of reasoning. Keep a little bit of the old ways that just were comfortable Keep a little bit of the old ways that just kept us kinda grounded. Keep a little bit of the old friendships that maybe aren't the best for us. Maybe put ourselves out there with people who maybe we shouldn't be with. You know, And what I'm trying to say is, is that for some of us, right, Peter, his number one, I guarantee Peter's sitting there and as he's calling him Simon, every time he's calling him Simon, I guarantee he's getting frustrated. I'm Peter, remember? I'm a rock. And Jesus is like, but don't be a reed. I'm a rock, but don't be a reed. I'm a rock, then don't be a reed. I'm a rock. And I guarantee as he's, he's getting to the place of, you know I love you. Well, if you love me, be strong. Don't go back to the old life when you can't physically see me. Because that's essentially what this was about, is they'd seen him two times, but he hadn't told them what to do every day. And so ultimately, if you're not going to tell me how to fill my time, I'll fill my time with the things I want to fill it with. Ooh. That'll preach on its own, right? Is that unless God actually gives us a breakdown of what our time should be with him, then we can fill our time with whatever we think is good enough to fill our time with. What makes up who you are, what you spend your time on. And so today what I'm really getting at is if we're going to stay healthy and whole we can't adopt the attributes of our past life and just kind of have that hint of of spirituality that kind of sprinkle on the top but really what does it mean to say okay god I'm not a reed I'm a rock What does it mean for us to sit here today and say, all right, God, I know that you've called me into that next season or I want to go deeper or I want to have depth. I want to even have sustainability talking specifically about what that for a second. God, what does that mean? It's not going back to our old life proclaiming a new one. It's living a new life and separating the old. And so what I want to do, right, the next one is this one. I think this is so important today, so important. In my opinion, this is just going to be so much uh, biblical, like down uh, down a filter to like just a perfectly filtered thought, in my opinion. Because Jesus puts it together in John twenty-one, the very last chapter of John. And if you know anything about the structure of John, is it's actually written very different than the synoptic gospels. And what a lot of theologians and scholars believe is that John essentially uh, was able to identify and and, uh, communicate with some of the writers of the previous gospels. And what he did is he came to attention the things that maybe hadn't been recorded. And then in his gospel, what you see is a lot of stories and imagery that weren't necessarily found in the other gospels. So I think it's very important that in the last chapter of the last gospel, we get this story. And in my opinion, this is what I would say for all of us. This is how we live right now. It's a, this is my point. The main biblical progression we have is this. Follow the shepherd and then help the sheep. Nothing takes the place of the shepherd, and when after we followed the shepherd, nothing takes the place of helping sheep. See, once again, this is the culminating moment of all of the gospels, John 21. Everything is led to this point, and now John has, John has already knows what's going into the old gospels. This is essentially what it is. Nothing takes the place of following the shepherd and then helping sheep. So, for some of us, if I looked and say, hey, have we graduated from following the shepherd? Nobody's going to be like, yeah, I graduated from following God. I don't follow him anymore, right? But if I looked at you and said, now, how do you tend the sheep? Because the progression is this shepherd helping with the sheep. And see, a lot of us, we love the shepherd and we hate the sheep. That's not how it works. And if we're people who can readily admit that I follow the shepherd but I don't love any of the sheep, I don't want to help with the sheep, I don't want to tend the sheep, I don't want to feed the sheep, I don't even really want to be around any other sheep besides sheep that look exactly like me, talk exactly like me, eat the exact grass that I like to eat, that's it. Then essentially what we're saying is, God, you're really cool but I don't really like what you do and so I'll do what I feel like and hopefully that's good enough. Church, it's not. Follow the shepherd, tend the sheep. Follow the shepherd, feed the lambs. Follow the shepherd, become like the shepherd, protect the sheep. See, this is, once again... It's just so interesting because I think we sometimes even abandon sheep based off of what we think the shepherd is telling us. Like, I'm not even going to get into this tangent, but I feel like I can right now. It's like, how many times we can say I'm following God or God told me to do something? And you're like, well, that, I know you're saying you're following the shepherd, but it's actually damaging to sheep. I don't know if he said that. Because once again, when we filter, okay, I'm following the shepherd and I'm caring and tending for the sheep, is those two things are connected. They're not autonomous. And what I'm saying today in kind of my final moments is this, is that some of us are wondering why we seem so empty and unfulfilled. And maybe it could just come down to the fact that maybe we don't recognize the shepherd and we don't like the sheep. Or maybe some of us, we know the shepherd, but we don't want anything to do with the sheep. And we're sitting here unfulfilled. We're sitting here where we're like, God, what is going on? And God's looking and saying, I made you to know the shepherd and to help me tend the sheep. My last thought is this, the depth of following always will duplicate a depth of fulfillment. Never forget that fulfillment comes from whatever you're following. I've said this before, but since I said it last, the stars have dropped even more. It's like we spend more time on on social media, on Facebook, right, Uh, than we do with the Lord, and that's actually like a stat I've been reading in books, but what's funny is is Facebook's 2.8 stars. Now it's 2.2, which, and it's so funny because if I went up to you and said, hey, do you want to go to a 2.2 star restaurant every single night? Like, that's like borderline McDonald's or less. What would your diet be? Not good. But even taking it a step further is I really if, if I were to ask you, what are the things that you're following? Because those are the things that you're becoming. So what are the what are the voices? What are the people? What are the things that are filling you up? Because once again, if it's filling you up with the wrong things, it's not going to be fulfilling. If it's not going to be fulfilling, you're going to end up empty. And if you're going to end up empty, you're going to be broken. And today, really, what I wanted to get on was the fact that I think a lot of emptiness and brokenness in the church and as followers of God come to this place of frustration is because we've kind of disassociated ourselves with elementary principles of following God. We've said, I'm an exception to the rule. We've said, you know what? I don't really need to do these things. We've said, I love the shepherd and I hate the sheep. And essentially, what I'm saying kind of in my final moments is that Jesus' re-enlistment was not for them to do. He already had said, follow me. It wasn't for them to do what they'd always done, which is follow him around for three years. It was for them to realize that now you are shepherding and now you care for the sheep. And that was the graduation. See, if you're going to graduate from one thing, it's from knowing the shepherd so well that his heart is deposited into you for the sheep that all you can do is love. All you can do is give grace. All you can do is help. All you can do is serve. All you can do is try to see the world how Jesus sees it, which is his his sons and his daughters as people he loves and has a heart for, as people he truly wants to see come to know him. There's a good quote John Wooden said, failure is not fatal, but failure to make changes can be. Yes. And I pray today that maybe some of us, we've came to church and we know all about it, but we're realizing, man, I've graduated from some elementary principles. I've took an exception to maybe doing what I know I should be doing. If you don't make changes, that failure can be Fatal. So let's all stand in our favor.